Radio Days Africa podcast is brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy. Good afternoon and welcome to day five of Radio Days Africa 2020. My name is Claire Moisa and I'm the moderator for today's session. Thank you so much for joining us. It is proudly brought to you by Vits Radio Academy. Radio Days 2020 is also made possible through the generous support of the Sub-Saharan Africa Media Program of the Conrad Adenauer Foundation. I have to thank all of our sponsors who have made Radio Days possible this year. So thank you so much to Iono FM for the podcasting and the streaming. Thank you very much to the Abundant Media Group sharing the conference to community radio stations on their Vivid channel. Thank you also to RCS Sound Software. And of course, thank you again to Crossfade Studios. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting the knowledge that we are going to be sharing today on today's panel. Um, I just want to remind everyone that today's conversation will also include you. So if you want to participate, please make sure that you ask a question. Just click on the Q&A session there uh, button on your screen and type in a question there and I'll try and get to your questions near the second half of the session. And of course, I mean, we're on day five and there are 15 more sessions. If you want to register for more, please do so. Invite your friends and you can get more information and register for free on radiodaysafrica.co.za. Let's get into it. Today is the Creative Council. These people are in charge of making sure that the radio that you are listening to and the station that you are listening listening to is captivating, entertaining, fun, uh, and, and, and really just makes you uh, want to stay with that platform. So let me introduce the panelists to you. Um, so thank you very much. We have Paolo Diaz, who is the Creative Director at Ultimate Media. Good afternoon to you. Hello and welcome to Refue Mofukeng, who heads up creative and production at Media Heads 360. And uh, also I'd like to thank Tim Kali for joining us today. He's an omni-channel marketing expert representing Cliff Central Creative today. Hello and welcome to you guys. Um, I mean, when presenters say there's more coming up after the break, these people are in charge of what happens during the break and make sure that what happens during the break sounds incredible so you don't actually want to leave. So the first question I want to ask, um, and I'll ask it to each one of you, so maybe I'll start with uh, you, Fue. Um, what must a creative team think of? There are so many variables that you need to think of when putting together a campaign or a promotion or a spot or any type of creative what are some of the things that you need to think of before you start brainstorming really cool ideas? I think one of the most important things for me is how will we get how will we get people engaged? How will we get people to do something with what we have? So we will look at the inventory we want to use. So for example, if you want to do a competition, we know that there's promos, we know that we have a call to action. How can we use that, that inventory? to get people to do what we want. And from there, once we know what we want them to do, we then come up with the creative from there. I mean, Paolo, you, you do creative for not just one platform, but for many platforms, uh, many brands. What are you thinking of first? What are the things that you need to be cognizant of when putting together, before you put together a creative? So it's less so about um, being the thing that the presenters break from and rather being part of the content that they're doing. So you want to make sure that when you're creating something for them 
on behalf of an advertiser at as organic as any programming inventory that they do have so that you are actually part of what they're doing between the breaks and between the music and you integrate into their shows. And that's what you've got to be thinking of. Any good radio creative on our side that sits and represents clients, you've got to think as a presenter and a programmer first. Mm-hmm. And what about the listener's experience, Tim? Um, you know, are you, are you conscious of the audience, the demographic, the changing landscape? What, what are you, uh, what must a team uh, keep in mind when they are coming up with ideas? Yeah, similarly related to what Paolo just said, the most important thing is to think about telling someone something interesting, something that's content worthy about that product or brand and not just telling them what it is and making an ad. You've got to create your own piece of, imagine you're making a show rather than an ad. And if it sounds interesting to you, it will probably sound interesting to other people. If it sounds like an ad to you, no one will listen to an ad. Right. And do all promotions or ads or campaigns, do they work? Does the same execution work on different platforms? Paolo, um, I think sometimes people just want to plug and play. Um, Does that work? Um, Radio fundamentally is like a very basic medium. It's been the same for a hundred years, you know, so there are certain things and and radio um, mechanics that work. And if the intrinsic of that, and if you're getting to the truth of what people want to hear, it will work across every platform. Um, But I think what we start with is go, what works on radio first? Because every piece of planning, every piece of oversight, everything that you neglected to consider comes out on air. Um, And doesn't matter how clever your digital, your activation, your presenter, the influence, whatever that is. If the radio fundamental isn't right, uh, none of that's going to really work. If it is right, all that other stuff blows up. But you've got to think about what your radio idea is at its most basic fundamental level. What is that? And if that's right, everything else works. Mm. And Fue, what do you think about that when, when a brand or a client wants to just play the same execution across different stations, the same creative across different stations, does that always work? Um, it, I think more importantly is we need to let the client know that the messaging, as long as the messaging they want us to put across comes through, we should then be able to advise them what will work for that messaging to come through. So I think you shouldn't be afraid to tell clients that, something. yes, the idea is there, but the way you want us to execute it won't work on air. So I think it's just about being brave enough to tell the client. Oh, and Tim, are we doing enough to educate clients? Do clients know how to use radio? They want a radio presence. They want something that's going to be catchy and they, they want everyone to be listening. But do businesses and do clients know or are you still playing an education role in that space to make sure that they are represented in the best way possible? Look, I've been, a, I've been a client. I was head of marketing at Veyland and at Trueworth, and I've been on the agency side, and I'm now back on the agency side. And it's been an interesting journey. And ultimately, what I found to be most successful in terms of educating anyone on either side of, of that platform is to go back to the basics, particularly on radio. You know, Paolo mentioned it's, it's one of the most sort of basic platforms, it's been around for a long time. It's also the hardest platform to advertise on. End of story. And I'll tell you why, because it only uses one sense. It's only, you can only hear you can't smell, you can't taste, you can't see, of course. Most advertising platforms, you can certainly see them. 
Um, if you're going into stores and experience that, you can use scent and touch and feel and all these different things. Radio is incredibly challenging because you're only using one sense and that's your hearing. And to be able to maximize and capture that is very, very difficult. And I think to your point, a lot of clients fall into the trap of seeing all platforms as one and approaching them all with the same uh, same message or same content when actually they all use such different parts of the human anatomy that you have to approach them all radically differently. Mm. And I mean, even now, when we years ago when I started off in radio, you were only actually putting creative together for that one platform, terrestrial radio. You get into your car, you switch it on, and that's what you, you, you know, your main focus was. Now there's so many different delivery platforms, even if you are just working on radio, correct, Tim? But, but absolutely. But I think that approach is still what we should be doing, is still focusing, if you like, on just radio to crack that first. Yes, there'll be a common thread of a message or, a, or an outtake or a call to action or a brand or something across them all. But ultimately we need to treat radio as the very special child that it is and, and give it the attention if you want to achieve anything on it. If it just becomes an add-on to a TV campaign or a print campaign or billboard or, or these days digital, it's just gonna fail, it's just noise. Mm. And then, I mean, obviously we want to know um, brands have got their own objectives. They want to reach their own uh, idea of what a successful um, execution was or promotion or campaign was. Um, A, are those expectations always realistic? And how do we know that we've nailed it? Um, you know, how do we know that we've knocked it out of the park, Paolo? Um, so... <laughs> With uh, are the, are they realistic or you know I think this is where the education comes in and I think with radio it's very it's very interesting dealing with clients because clients do listen to radio and they have their own perception of what radio is and they have their own attraction to certain presenters and certain stations so you almost walk in and they're like de facto experts before you even get out the bat and I'm not saying that dismissively is that you do get challenged a lot um, by people who listen to stations and you go okay you know you are right in that sense. Um, in terms of what they want out of radio is that, you know, sometimes you've got to balance it because I think they're looking for innovations. They don't want, oh, I don't want a 30 second ad or I don't just want a competition or I don't just want a feature. And like, well, that's until radio totally breaks itself up. That's what you have. But I think the craft and the artistry comes in making a promo sound not like a promo or a feature not like a feature. And that's where you've got to get really clever. And I think you know you've done it well when... You have a presenter, firstly, when the presenter says, wow, I really enjoyed doing that. And when a client, no matter how much you had back and forth and a little bit of a tricky road to get to air, when a week after you've done your you know, post campaign, they say, okay, I've got another brief for you. And that's when you know you've done your job well, because a client will actually never tell you, wow, that was an amazing campaign. They'll give you another brief. And then, you know, okay, we, we ticked the boxes we needed to. And what about challenging those, you've just mentioned, mentioned it now, how about challenging those, um, those traditional airtime norms, 30-second spot, a certain promo? Are we, are we breaking the mold? Are we pushing it further? Um, are there different ways that we need to start thinking about radio and the offering that we give to clients? Paolo? Um, you know what, I think we, we are, and you know, to, to every station's credit, as formulaic as they need to be, they are always open to the suggestions. And I think with the right people, I don't think anybody can just walk into a station and say, 
you know, do this. I don't want to do this with the promo. I think you've got to earn their trust and respect over years to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, they, they will play ball. They will listen to things. They will allow you to put weird things into their studio. Um, they'll make fun of you for a long time until they see it work themselves. And then they go, okay, it's, these guys do know what they're talking about. So they are open to it. I mean, it's, you know, it's a process and, you know, it's getting the right person on the right day in the right mood. Um, but, you know, it takes years and years of proving yourself. And they do come to the party and go, okay, there, there are certain companies around, there, around in the industry that, that we can entrust our station to for that little segment of time. Claire, I just want to I just want to add to that. One of the biggest one of the biggest mistakes I see is clients wanting to do something different for the sake of doing something different because they think different is better. But actually, I often say to them, just if you do what everyone else is doing better than they're doing it, that's going to trump being different every time. And so, yes, radio started with classic 30-second spots. But if you produce the best 30-second spot of the year, that is going to do wonders more than some weird and wonderful different, you know, concepts um, just for the sake of being different. So, you know, for me, first point of call is always look at what other people are doing and just do it better. And that's always going to win over being different. If you can add different to that as well, fantastic. But don't see different as better. Different is just different unless it's better. Oh, I hope brands are listening. Go, Tim. <laughs> Um, and for do, do clients trust you guys? Do clients uh, uh, get, do they cross that bridge? Do they think like uh, programmers or creators or do you have to do some work um, to get them to trust you uh, whether you're doing something that's quite traditional or, or, or pushing the boundaries and doing something different? Um, I've found that, because like I said, it's important to know the inventory you work with. Because if I go, if we go to station and we say, right, if you've got a two-minute feature, this is how we want to execute it, is that can we go ahead and do that? And I think that's where we have room to play around and get pretty creative. Because um, last year we did a campaign with one of the other brands, it was Norox. And we said to, they said to us they wanted something better than, than a promo, but they don't want to feature. And we said, okay, then we will produce a mini two-minute drama within a feature spot. And it was a pod, we created a mini podcast and it played once a week. And in fact, and we were a bit nervous about how people will respond. So it was a dialogue between a mother and a daughter. They shared a recipe and at the end there was a client side um, competition. And we were shocked. They were, the people went online and they, they entered the competition. We were like, oh, okay, it worked. So we didn't have to have a huge negotiation with the station because we said we will use the inventory and then from there we will create what we can. So we, we work within that boundary if, if we know that it's something that station may not be too flexible about. So you can use both. Either you can say station or you just tell client, right, this is how we will, we will make it work for you. I mean, um, I think that's also important to note that, you know, it's a journey that you take with a, with a client. You, you hope for the best. And I mean, if you yourself are also surprised that it, it worked as well as or even better than expected, that's, that's phenomenal. Um, that's amazing. Um, I, later on, I want to get to some uh, incredible work that you guys have done and maybe ideas that you, you know, if you can think of 
um, great executions or creatures that you've heard on stations. Uh, but I know, Paolo, you, you had something that you wanted to share about, um, can you think of a promotion or a campaign or something that you worked on that you know resonated and worked really well for the station that you had um, worked with? Oh, you have to unmute. Could you unmute yourself? Sorry about that. Um, I think when we um, put things together, I think uh, we tend to think of station and what works for station themselves secondary. So it's almost like, a, does this work for the listener, regardless of which station they're on? And then does it work for the brand? Um, and I think, you know, one, one that, I, that I will sort of like pick up on is, is last year we did a campaign for Capitech. Um, and they wanted to get um, financial education out in the market because, as you all see, a lot of financial education pieces are in English and any pamphlets or any websites you look at are in English. And to now mass produce that into vernacular is a very costly exercise. And radio is probably the easiest way to do it. So, but then the second challenge you have is that people are afraid to admit that their financial knowledge is not the best. You know, nobody wants to admit that they don't know what to do with their money. So we had a proxy character we created who would phone into the station and almost like just casually say, oh, but I don't know how to open a savings account. And then over the course of a few weeks, he would phone in and update and get updated by the presenter with a whole bunch of different stories and a whole bunch of different questions. And they would, you know, sort of say, well, listen, have you considered this? Why don't you think of this? And by the way, Capitech have this great information for you. But further to that, we created a WhatsApp group before WhatsApp started limiting um, the numbers of people you could put on groups. And at the end of each feature, because the feature is only a finite amount of time, they could join this WhatsApp group where we carried on taking in questions, sharing information, sharing the resources that our character had on hand and giving it to people in the WhatsApp group who could then further share on with their friends and their family and generate content for our feature the next morning. So it became the self-serving content machine. Um, and we're finding that our features were happening in the morning between 9 to 12, but our biggest interaction on WhatsApp was happening in the evening between 7 and 8. So people were now taking this as part of their lives and using it to generate the content. Um, we put a survey in with it to say, has this content been helpful? And people were saying it was helpful. They wanted the feature to keep going on. So, you know, when we look at things like that, we go, have we given something to people that has been very important to them and got the radio 100% right and that has allowed us to leverage the other platforms and given them something that they use every day, radio and WhatsApp, put them together and give them resources and usefulness out of all our marketing. Wow. If you have any questions for the Creative Council, please post them in the Q&A box on your screen. Just click on there, type your question and I'll get back to it later. I mean, a question for all of you um, is, South Africa is a diverse market. There's so many different demographics. There's so many nuances, uh, different languages. Um, just people's behavior is so different. As you were talking about that capital campaign, that's what I was thinking about. How do you make sure that whatever you're creating is speaking to that particular demographic? Or, the, you know, how, how do you make sure you get those nuances right? Because sometimes I think... Um, when brands do come through, um, they want to get to their little, their target market, they want to get to their niche, but sometimes that's a bit difficult to do. Tim, you know, how, how do you make sure that you, you stay relevant and you stay true and you, you, you nail that demographic that you're looking for? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I probably 
to give you an anecdote, so I was MD of TBWA when, when the World Cup was happening 2010 and, and Adidas was one of our clients and they were obviously a massive part of the World Cup. And a lot of the, the creative campaigns came through from Germany to us. And to give Adidas their credit, that they sent them through, but they've, been, they've always been very good at localization. So they'll give it to the local agencies and say, like, this is our you know, overarching campaign, but we need it to work in your, in your region. And just what you said, you know, they were a little bit terrified by having this World Cup in Africa. They didn't know the market that well. They certainly didn't know all, you know, all these different languages and the different regions and the massive diversity, the wonderful diversity that's in this country. Um, they had no, they understood it, but they didn't understand kind of how the races work together and against each other. And it was, you know, a scary place for them. And, you know, I think we did a pretty good job in doing that. And so to, to answer your question more specifically, the first the first way to achieve it is to recognize it and, and to appreciate it and then to answer it after that. And the only way to really do it is to really get is to get into those communities and understand what language, I don't mean by, uh, by dialect, I mean what language they speak amongst themselves in that community, um, you know, what's important to them, what, what, what they like to hear and don't like to hear and, and the sort of content they want to. And that's why the best agencies these days in South Africa are the most diverse. And you can think whatever you want about BEE and diversification and all that sort of thing. It says me here, a British guy who emigrated here 15 years ago. But you can say whatever you want. But the reality is, is you, if you've got a really diverse agency with people from all of those different communities, you're going to do a far, far better job than so, some old, ugly white guy like me trying to pretend that he can, you know, communicate a radio ad uh, to, to, to a local community. Um, so, yeah, I think the most important thing is to embrace it and then to have people on your team who can help you do that. And they don't necessarily have to be advertising, you know, people necessarily. It's just engaging with those communities and understanding them as best you can, that you can take almost any brand, product or service and communicate it to them in a way that, that resonates with them. I think that's, you know, the approach. And, and Tim is 100% on that yeah. sorry in that um you know we especially now once you start to get into the you know african language stations and, and the different sensitivities there and yes you, you know you walk in with a brush stroke of an idea and then you give it to the stations and the presenters you're working with and go listen here's our parameters everything else in between you guys need to take ownership and make this work for your audience and that audience changes from you know even it's not just a Zulu audience. It's a young Zulu audience versus an old Zulu audience. A Zulu audience in KZN versus a Zulu audience in Gauteng, all listening to the same station. And how do they manage this? And we're busy doing something now, which we have to feedback on Monday. And three stations, all very similar category, all very similar topic, but the way that they're going to treat this because their audience and culturally is so different is so diverse. And as much as our our packaging of the campaign is going to be similar. What's inside the box is going to be so crazy. And that's where you have to work with the stations. And that's, that's where, as much as they trust us, we've got to trust them in return. Mm-hmm. Was there anything you wanted to add on that, Bue, about the fact that, you know, it's a constant challenge to make sure that you get those nuances right, that you, get, you speak directly to your audience uh, and not at your audience or you're not offending them by trying to be something and missing the mark completely. I think I have to agree with Paolo that you, that's where the relationships with the stations come in and the feed that they're the ones who will feed you. Watch the people, those little nuances um, can go from 
them are more food for instance. This is Oh, I'm going to take a question because Fuwe, uh, you're breaking up. We're not hearing you very clearly. Um, I've got a question here, uh, a question from Franz Kruger. Hi, thanks, Franz. Um, Franz asks, what are brands asking for in reaction to COVID? What are good approaches to take when dealing with an issue of that kind? I mean, I was going to get to that a bit later, but we can't ignore the fact that the coronavirus pandemic is top of mind with everyone. So, um, you know, have you guys had, what is the relationship now? What is the climate right now with uh, creative and trying to incorporate uh, COVID-19 and the coronavirus pandemic? Um, uh, Tim? Yeah, I've actually uh, just done a, quite a bit of research on this. It's been really interesting. Um, what's, and, and more of a sort of global approach, but it, it's the same in South Africa, is what people are, are not reacting to, they're not engaging with, is brands that are trotting out the same, um, the same message. So the kind of stay home, stay safe message is done. You know, if you're on that bandwagon, early, early doors, fine. But now it's old and it's tired and people aren't listening. Um, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. I'm purely saying that they are not engaging with that anymore. What they are engaging with is two sentiments, um, particularly on radio, is sincerity and humour. And I think that's quite interesting to, to, to understand, you know, why they're doing that. So I think the sincerity comes from quite a lot of scepticism over the messages that are being communicated out there. And now they're looking for brands to be really sincere and honest. So that's great. And then humour, which I think is a great thing in, in, in the darkest times you know, what carries us as a human race forward is being able to smile and laugh even in the darkest times. And, and these are certainly dark and very challenging times. And I think the brands that are brave enough to still use humour will, will get a lot of mileage in this time. Mm. Paolo, I mean, what has it been like uh, having to create um, during these times of lockdown? Very easy because nobody's been doing anything. <laughs> so, um, you know, you had this almost absolute shutdown of the advertising industry because nobody knew what to do, you know, and the things that you use radio for and the brands that use radio. I mean, if you look at who uses radio well were well, financial services who had their own issues to deal with, petroleum companies who had a product that was worthless, uh, vehicle brands who couldn't open, retailers who didn't need to advertise. Um, so those are the people who used um, radio very well. And then everyone else was just a little bit scared of being tone deaf and uh, getting out with the wrong message and not being able to retract from that. So I think there was a lot of weight. Um, what we're seeing now is the sincerity. Tim's right. There, there is sincerity. The stay home, stay safe. We're all in this together. That's sort of like had its day. I think we're starting to see a lot of what's next. How do we play a role in the next step? What has this taught you about the future? And we can all do that together. I think we're starting to see a little bit of that starting to come through in, in the brands that are, are trying to get back onto radio. And Fue, what has it been like um, for you? Um, the conversations that you're having, mm. the creative that you've been asked to, to do, if any, during these times of lockdown? Well, a lot of um, with our clients is that they want us to add that conversation into their content that we're producing for them. Just to say, normalize, for instance, using sanitizers, normalize washing your hands. So we include it in all the conversations and specifically I speak of our radio dramas. So those are the things we've had to include so that it becomes relevant. As you know, with radio dramas, we are, it's a story that speaks to 
your current day to day. So it's us incorporating that narrative into the into the into the story. And I'm also finding that clients want um um customers or the listeners to actually tell them what they want as well in terms of having the conversation together that okay what are we going to do like tell us what how you want us to engage with you so there's a lot more engagement of like between client and um the listener Mm. I mean, a lot of businesses during this time have been knocked really hard. So I think budgets um, also going to be completely cut, sliced, halved, uh, if you're lucky. Um, and so I think a lot of businesses want to know, can they still get value? Uh, can they still get incredible creative and have a great radio presence, even though they might not have the budgets of last year or the, or the years before. Um, what would you say to those businesses who are trying to um, have some sort of visibility or, or talkability, um, but just don't have the money anymore just because of uh, the pandemic? Um, Tim, what advice would you give them? I would give them the advice that um, Henry Ford said, which is cutting your marketing budget to save money is like stopping the clock to save time. Um, it's, <laughs> It, 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 it's, a, it's a ludicrous thing to do in this time, even if your turnover is halved, maintain your marketing budget. Whilst everyone else is cutting, the market share you will gain will be exponentially more than you will ever been able to gain when everyone was spending. And for others to then win back that market share when they do start spending again is incredibly difficult. It's a, it has to be seen as a massive marketing opportunity, this and not a time to cut those things. And I'm not saying that, you know, for, for me as an agency, but it, it's absolutely true. I'm seeing big yawning gaps and there's a massive opportunity there to fill those. So again, the biggest brands in this world are the bravest brands. And if there's brands out there in this country that are brave to maintain their spend and do great work, they will see unbelievable results going forward. If you shrink like a violet with everybody else, you know, you'll disappear with everybody else. Paulo, you're nodding your head, but it's a scary time to be advertising because people are scared, like, like was mentioned earlier, that people don't want to be tone deaf. Can I still get something amazing out on air even though? So it's the quality now that I'm talking about, um, that, that the output. Can I still get great quality uh, of radio presence uh, with less money? Yeah, of South African radio is that, you know, anybody in radio who thinks clients have pushed us hard before, you ain't seen nothing yet. It is going to get harder and they're going to push us further. Um, and I think what we're also going to see is more brands doing co-ops. So, you know, joining up, taking a couple of brands under the stable, going to radio together because radio is expensive, you know, so, so they've, they've got to justify those. Um, Tim is right. And uh, what we're sort of hoping to see is that the brave brands who we assume they would be are getting back to radio and then their competitors are going to see, geez, I've had, a, you know, I've lost my market share. Now I've got to react. So we're hoping that sort of um, jump is going to happen in terms of getting good quality. Listen, not one radio, radio station has let go of a quality presenter. Not one radio station has shortened their show. Not one radio station has gone to a 12-hour day. They're still there. They're still phenomenal presenters. The specialist radio agencies and the people understand radio, they're still all there. So will you get the bang for your buck 100%? You'll get it more. You'll get double, triple, because we, we need to pull the, the spend back to radio um, and show that you you know, the, whatever you thought you lost or whatever your brand needs to get, radio is the place to do it. It's very expensive, but um, you're going to get your value out of it at the end of the day. Mm. 
We've got a question from Neil Johnson. He hosted such an incredible session yesterday about Ask the Program Manager. Uh, Neil Johnson asks, we all know that the rate card is a thing of the past. How are client promotions now being costed? Um, just jumped there. Uh, how are clients now being costed, not just the actual airtime and online, but the hard costs too? Does anyone want to take that question from Neil Johnson? Ooh. <laughs> it feels like a loaded question. Knowing <laughs> um, <laughs> Neil. Um, right, so, I mean, it, it is true. The rate card is a thing of the past. And, you know, you have to give credit to the radio businesses who have frozen their rate card um, and, and understood that the market, the market we're in. And like those brands who are brave, the stations who have been brave to do that will also reap rewards in the long term. And there are definitely radio groups who have won the lockdown by all the different initiatives they've done. Um, you know, clients are, how are things being costed? Yes, there's your airtime. Um, I think the days of clients paying for airtime plus prizes plus hard costs, I think that's all going to come under scrutiny and we've just got to be smarter with how we do things. Um, so, I mean, nobody knows. I think it's a little bit too early to actually answer that question, but everybody is going to be adaptable. So as much as we're going to go into radio stations and say, hey, guys, please, we've got to be a little bit flexible. Anybody on the other side of it, we've all got to be flexible and clever and start um, maximizing what we can do and just being a little bit sharper in the way we operate. Mm. Uh, I've got somebody who just said, uh, Stephanie Lopepe says, presenters are still there, but a number of producers and freelancers are being retrenched. Uh, it is a bit tough times for some stations, I guess. Um, I mean, looking forward, this summer is going to be very interesting. I mean, all radio stations come out with huge summer campaigns, big money um, earners, money spinners for radio stations, also for clients. Uh, this year is going to be very different because this is the summer of coronavirus. Um, and I think that is going to be an interesting space to navigate. Um, have you guys put your, your, your minds to that uh, at all? Or are you just kind of taking it day by day? Um, Fue? I think at this point, um, you know, summer is when we spend the most. That's why summer campaigns are so hectic, because as consumers, that's when we spend the most. So now our spending habits are changing. We are spending differently. We're not spending on holidays. We're not spending on clothes. We're not spending. So everything is different. So at the moment, we can only take it day by day. In the, maybe in the next three months, we'll have an answer because maybe the statistics will be out. There'll be more research available for us to look at. But until then, like we are quite kind of playing it by ear because already as it is now, we are giving clients solutions as we go along, as we discover like, okay, this is what we can do. This is what's working right now. So we're working day by day, definitely a day by day. I mean, Tim, what do you think is going to happen? I think um, it's the season where we know it's, it's big money. And I just, I just can't imagine what um, this year is going to look like or sound like on air. Uh, I think it's tough for people to imagine a lot of celebration and energy and, and good times uh, in this time of the coronavirus. Um, we're still for clients who are trying to spend, encourage people to spend. Um, what do you think about this summer, summer of 2020? Look, it's tricky to answer because you're putting a time, um, a time stamp on it being this summer. I mean, I've got two sort of trains of thought on this. Firstly, is I don't think the world is going to change as much as a lot of people think. 
um, that humans are very difficult to break a habit. And I think malls will still be there and people will still go to malls and they will still go to restaurants and they will still go to bars when they reopen. I think a lot of it will be on a smaller scale. But I think those things will, will essentially return. And what people spend money on, including holidays and so forth, will return and that will be there. The challenge, as you said, is timing. It's, I, I don't think it's so much you know, what the new world post-corona looks like, because I don't personally think it's going to look that different. What I think is challenging is timing. I'll give you a, an example. One of my clients is a fantastic inward-bound safari company, and they do um, a lot of um, inbound safaris from the US, Canada, UK, you know, really nice things. And, you know, they're, they're geared, they're ready to go, but they're just waiting. because And they've got money there, they've got ready to go, they want to advertise, do all of their campaigns, do everything else, even go through a bit of a rebrand and all of this, trying to use the time productively. But it is that waiting game, as Fue said, it's like they're obviously waiting for the skies to open. I mean, that, that, that's the thing so that people can come inbound. So I think there's a lot of businesses out there that maybe have been run well in the past. They do have money, they're waiting, they'll all have budgets ready to spend in the summer, as you said. They may have been toned down a bit, but they're all still there waiting. But it's the not knowing. And without it becoming political on this, you know, I think that's where the government has, has been weakest in this whole process is... It, it, it's sort of floundered and, and, and along. I mean, you know, are we in level three now? For me, it feels like level two, but it's still formally level three and it was level four and all this. And I think businesses are really struggling with the lack of clarity about, you know, when things can change. And, and I realize that a lot of that is based on the data and how this virus uh, changes over time and all that. But I think that is a massive challenge is the timing thing. So that's, a, yeah, I mean, in conclusion, I don't think the world's going to be that different. And I think similar spend will be on similar things. But who knows when? We don't know when we can do it. Mm. If you want to send us a voice note, please do so. Um, share with us some of your favorite campaigns or just comment on what you've heard our speakers talk about today. Uh, send your voice note to 79 Double zero double zero. That's zero seven nine five two eight double zero double zero. Also, make sure that you do post a question if you'd like to. I'd like to uh, play some voice notes that we actually have received. So, if you could just uh, listen to those voice notes and we can comment about them just after we've heard them. So. One of my favorite uh, campaign of promotions was the recent rugby-themed grassroots greatness campaign that obviously we ran with uh, one of our clients, which was F&B. The brief was pretty simple. Uh, here's a client that wanted to leverage their partnership with the box as a tool for nation building uh, to drive an emotional connection to rugby and engage an audience uh, that is deemed averse to rugby. So together with our sales house, Media Mark, we built a multi-channel campaign using Skumba as the main driver of the campaign. As part of this campaign, Skumba challenged his friends to a match with local Vets rugby team. There was a bit of a twist, though, as they thought they would be playing soccer, but it was a rugby game. The guys had real fun with the team at, uh, at, at, at Vets, uh, the campaign went viral on social media. Listeners could engage with the content on air and online. Uh, and also the overall message was conveyed in a fun and entertaining way. Uh, for me, this campaign definitely shifted the perception of rugby and making it an engaging and, uh, and the fun spot. Um, 
I really think that it was fun, it was entertaining and easy for people to engage. Uh, people want content that is relatable. And also, for me, this campaign basically changed the misconception about the sport amongst uh, Black people as a whole. My name is Dawn and I'm a writer. Uh, one of my most annoying radio campaigns uh, Boxer did a radio campaign about Gumba Gumba deals a few years ago and I mean really anything of that sort I find patronizing I think people should be spoken to rather than spoken at or shouted at in this instance even if you're selling them something Okay, two very different voice notes uh, the first one was uh, Genny explaining that promotion um, you know, I think that's phenomenal it, it, one of the mandates of creative maybe to push um, our conventional thinking of certain things, you know, how far do we push the envelope, how far do we challenge South Africans' beliefs about certain things, is that a scary space to play in or is actually that's where the fun zone is? Um, you know, uh, Paolo, what do you think? Um, hi, Genny and, and Dawn. It's very nice to hear Dawn's voice again. It's only one person with a voice like that. Um, I think what both, even though the uh, voice notes were uh, and, and the messages were very different, Dawn made the point, and, and it's something that we're very passionate about as well, is speak how people speak. And especially now more than ever. I mean, you know, the, the F&B and the rugby campaign aimed at a completely different what you think is a non-traditional rugby audience. You know, the reason that campaign worked is because the language was probably right. It wasn't patronizing. It spoke how people spoke. Like Dawn then uses the comparison of the boxer commercial. Don't shout at people. Don't patronize. I sometimes wonder, and listen, not always understanding the language when I see these weird little phrases being used. I wonder how people are receiving that because I look at it and I go, Oh, it feels a little bit. I remember the Castrol ads of that. Paolo, we all cringing. <laughs> you know, and and I I remember. I mean, there was the weird Vodacom guy with the little tatty ponytail, and you know those things were cringy. So I met. I go, well, are you are you doing the right thing here? Um, and I think it's so important to just talk to people. I think now we're going to go into a phase. You know, that shouting at people down the, down the the speakers, the checkers heyday type of stuff. Um, that don't miss miss this and you miss out. That really aggressive and over patronizing way of talking to people. People just aren't into it. You know, we've gone through a collective trauma, and I don't want my radio station to be abusive towards me. So I think if we start, you know. Considering our language, think about what we're saying, think about how we're writing things. Simple is better, kinder is better, and just consider that. Um, I think we're going to have a lot more success with our radio campaigns. Uh, Fuwe, uh, any comments about what Geni said? Also, just shout out to Geni, one of the greatest to ever yeah. do it. Uh, SMP, yeah. she works at KFM, like, hats off to her. I miss her so much. Yes, a oh, fantastic great day. Uh, Fuwe, do you have anything to add to any one of those comments um, from Dawn? Or, yes. Or um, I remember this Kumba campaign and how misplaced it was. And there was a time when, you know, black stations were looked at as generic and the white stations were a certain way. And I think now um, clients are starting to see, or the planners, whoever makes the decisions, are starting to see that each one has their own voice. And, and like we spoke of earlier, the nuances. And they are starting to see that and they are very receptive when we, when we now tell them that, no, it won't work in this station. This is how you should do it. So back then, yes, those things were, 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 
that was the culture of how things were booked. It was just if it's black, it goes to all black stations. Um, I think um, even with how people are spoken to, you know, I'm, I'm hearing Paolo say, you know, we no longer want the loud aggressive, but when you listen to Elisedi FM, that's how they talk. It's loud, it's entertainment, it's performance. And for someone who's listening, who's not used to that style of radio will think it's offensive and all, but no, it's just, that's how they speak. So it's understanding the different tones for different language, languages for different, for the different radio stations in essence. Was there anything you wanted to add? Am I stuck? No, you're not stuck. We we heard you. Uh, is there anything you want to add to that, Tim? I mean, um, things that companies, uh, the brands that are getting right and something they're getting really, really wrong. What are brands getting wrong uh, when it comes to their ads or their promotions? No, look, I think the other guys are very different. I just want to touch on one thing related to that, um, to what Gany said there is what's been... As, and again, I often look at South Africa slightly differently being an expat, having lived here 15 years. And... Um, what was quite encouraging at the start of the coronavirus was it, it kind of brought a lot of us together and we were all in this together and it was a scary place to be. And it's, it's been troubling for me to see how that has kind of separated now and, and actually created more racial tension. And sport is one thing in this country that unifies this country so well and so beautifully. And there's an example of how it does work just on a purely radio basis. But you know, having experienced World Cups here and other great sporting events, you know, cricket, rugby particularly, that brings the nation together so brilliantly. And I do hope that brands are going to... And, and sport needs, needs help and support after this time. And again, I, I do hope that more campaigns like that are going to emerge to, to really knit the country together because um, it, it does a great job of doing that. Yeah. Um, we've got a question from Metro Mandla Tom. Uh, I think we might, yeah, I don't know if this is applicable, but yes. Do companies with relatively high prices and high advertising expenditures prefer visual project quality content, so pictures, visuals, images, to audio content, radio? Which one do you think shows a higher return on investment or what do companies um, think gets a higher return on investment? Paolo? I'd actually like to throw it over to Tim. I think it's more his space having uh, being a bit more of expertise in, in both mediums. Yeah. Um, yeah, Claire, there's one simple answer to this. The only way forward is integrated campaigns. Radio on its own can only achieve so much. TV on its own can only achieve so much. Billboard on its own can only achieve so much. Even digital can only achieve so much. And in answer to that question there from the listener, it is imperative that agencies always try and get a, a, a brand to communicate a single-minded proposition across multiple platforms for a sustained period of time. And if they do that, they will see incredible results. But if they put all of their eggs into one platform at one time with one message, it, it's going to be difficult to generate that. So, you know, in all, all honesty, radio is only, only as strong as the, as the integrated campaign that it, it is within. Another question from Minentle Tlamini. Minentle asks, why do agencies or clients insist on using influencers that are not part 
of or are on the station on radio campaigns instead of using the station's presenters uh, to influence. I mean, that's also a very interesting uh, relationship, the creative and the presenters or the creative and the on-air talent. Uh, if you've got an incredible uh, group of people to work with, then you know that your campaign has legs. Um, I mean, um, Fue, um, it, is that what clients are asking? Or are clients asking to bring on external uh, influences or are they happy to use uh, on-air talent that is already existing at the station? Um, when clients want to use influencers, usually it's because they're using them for their bigger campaign or for an existing bigger campaign. So, for instance, if, if Stan, Standard Bank will say, please use this specific voice for promos, that use, oh, sorry, I'm just um, referencing what we're working on now, because they have their own influencers and they wanted to use their own voices and they wanted to use them for the interviews. So, it's because of a bigger campaign and they want to keep keep everything uniform and it's purely most of the time it's purely branding but if it's just a radio comp campaign they're always more than happy to use the station presenters mm. and Paolo talk to me about the importance of having just an incredible on-air talent um, at a station um, when it comes to executing some of the creative that you guys come up with um. I've been in radio for a very long time and I'm very glad that radio moved away from this stationality um, and we're more now in a personality vibe. You know, stations wanted uh, less talk, less ad breaks, less interruption, more music. And I think we've moved away from that. And we're now sitting with some of the most talented personalities sitting on radio than I think we've probably ever had in this country. Um, and you can just roll call the sorts of people that are on on uh, radio right now. And, you know, these people are media entities in their own right. They have, you know, in some cases, they've got bigger social media followings and they've got audiences. Some have got bigger audiences than the radio stations have. And um, they are in tune. You know, if I go back to the first sort of generation of radio presenters I worked with, they didn't want to know anything about an integrated or any non-traditional campaign. They'd read a live read and that was pretty much it. I think you're getting the radio presenters now have, they're a lot more marketing savvy. They're a lot more brand conscious. They understand how the business works and they buy into it. And as long as whatever you're giving them um, resonates with them, they're going to pull it off and they're going to make it work. And as long as they trust you and they know you want to have fun and they know that we're all in it for the right reason, they really buy into it. So I think we're in a really, really positive place in terms of the personalities we have on air. I know there's a lot of criticism of people say, well, people are put on air because of their social media followings. And you know what? That's cool. That, that's fine. You know, I think gone are the days of this golden voiced radio presenter giving you the hit parade. You know, I think it's more multifaceted. You need to be appealing on a lot more levels. You need to be visual in a lot more platforms. And I think we have a range of radio presenters now that are exactly that. Radio is one part of what they do and they do everything so well. Ooh, Paolo being very controversial with the influences on radio. Um, a lot of people are, you know, I think that transition has been difficult for them. They, they hark back to the days where you just spoke about, about having the, the, the presenter with the voice and the music knowledge um, and might not be that savvy on other platforms. But uh, I agree with you. You know, I do agree that sometimes you need somebody who's savvy to be able to carry some of these campaigns that you're talking about. Um, I've got a uh, question here. Oh, Tim. Just briefly, just because yes, it's so I'm leading Cliff Central Creative and the concept behind that was um, a creative agency 
that has merged with Gareth, who is my business partner, to form an agency that provides the creative uh, solution with the audience that Paolo is talking about there that Gareth has built up and Cliff Central has built up. And that's what we're quite excited about. It's quite a unique offering. Not that this is a punt, but just to, to, to give you an idea as to how influential a great, a great presenter, a great voice can be, you know, I'm delighted to have Gareth as my business partner. He's one of the str strongest, most iconic voices on radio. And he's got, you know, a following of 3 million people across various different platforms. So that's the power that these guys um, do have if they do it well. And I mean, obviously I'm going to be biased, but I think Gareth is probably one of the finest presenters we've seen in this country. And, you know, that's how this whole agency is formed. So that's the influence they can have. They, they're actually dictating business now, not just campaigns. Mm. We've got a comment from Zibusiso Ngomo saying that what I find a lot is that we as creatives and as SNP people, uh, agencies as well, is that we don't educate our clients enough about what our listeners respond to, how we speak to our listeners, so that it becomes difficult to balance the sound of the station. I think it goes back to what we were talking about, the fact that we need to take clients into our confidence, educate them about the medium, educate them about our listeners, who we're trying to speak to. And that we kind of know how to speak to them, because I think sometimes uh, clients come in thinking that they know. Uh, um, you know, I think that is what I think that message is. Anyone want to comment to that, the fact that SMP and agencies need to educate clients on how we communicate with I, our listeners i do need to defend um you know the, the 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 business side a little bit though because you know as much as i mean you can imagine yourself as a media planner or a media strategist on a brand and you have i mean how many what 20 odd commercial radio stations coming in and telling you all about their brand then straight after that spotify want to come and tell you about something then jukes want to come and then here comes dstv with all their channels then here come all the well, the one print publication left, and here come all the billboards, here come all the digital guys. I think it's so much information for them to take in. And I think we must not be arrogant to say, oh, they've got all the time in the world for us. Um, so that's what's important to build the relationships and to have trusted partners. So um, I think, yes, there is education, but I also think there is so much that these poor people have to deal with. And I can't believe I'm actually saying this. Um, it's so much information. Yes, <laughs> and so many platforms that, you know, when it does come time to dealing with you, cut out the nonsense, be honest, be straightforward and give them what they need to know instead of forcing them to totally buy into what you're doing. Mm. I think the frustration I think that lies with the radio station and my experience has been is that the client wants what they want and they don't want to deviate from that. And then when we do air it and they do not get the response that they've got from another station, um, they think that their campaign has failed or that we have failed as a station when actually maybe it was in the copy, it was in the execution, it was in the creative. And so that is kind of a balance that stations also are trying to figure out how do we make sure that we get the best a response from our listeners and you know we know how to get there because we speak to our listeners 24 7 we interact with them all day every day we know their behavior we, we engage with them on all their social media platforms so i hear what you're saying but i also think there's a there's a trust relationship that needs to be built there um when somebody says that listen i know how to speak to the listeners um they they respond to a certain way um, of of content. So um, take one for the team. Say, wow, I can't believe you you said that. Um, we've got another question. I think probably the final question from Lisa Morgan. What about talent that is not coachable or agile for integrated content? How do you get them to buy in the campaign? 
That's a question from Lisa Morgan. I don't even know if I think I understand that question. Does anyone want to answer Lisa? Um, what about... Um, Maybe yeah. let me just extend my point from, from earlier about, um, listen, if somebody is not a talented content creator, they're not going to get any following and they're not going to get on radio. You know, to be on radio, you need to be at a certain level. Um, and I just feel that if you are somebody on a radio station that has the numbers or the reach or the appeal that you're going to put an integrated campaign on, you will be able to do it. If you can't pull that stuff off, you're, you're not on air. And I think it's just, it's not, it's not a matter of coaching people how to be integrated. There'll be good radio people first. You know, and I'll go back to it. You've got to be a good radio person first, and then everything else comes with that. You'll be adaptable. If, if you can't um, grasp that or grasp any of it, you, you're not going to be on a station that's going to run these sort of campaigns. And um, I think also um, we need to keep in mind that this is why clients do come to us is so that we can tell, let them know why, why certain things will work and won't work. And I think like Paolo said, it is a trust thing where it's between station client and the, and the um, agency. And it's very important that we are clear that clients come to us for solutions. That's the truth of it. So yes, they have everything that they've planned, but we come with the, how we're going to execute this whole thing and make it work for you with, within the constraints that you've given us. Mm. Tim, I'll let you have the final word about just advice, uh, rounding up this conversation, just advice for businesses uh, or clients that are trying to have a, a radio presence. What would you say to them now, uh, taking into consideration what's going on in the world um, and you know them still marketing their businesses or them still wanting to have creative presence? What would you say to them? Oof. I suppose my advice to the clients would be um, don't be so arrogant that you think you listen to a radio station on your way to dropping the kids off every morning. Therefore, you understand radio and you understand how to do it better than your agency. So as Fui said there, yes, invariably agencies are, are hired by clients to solve their problems, but more often than not, the client wants to solve them themselves. Have the humility as a client to understand that there are very talented people in radio who have spent their careers trying to master the platform let them do their job how best they think. And I think the result will benefit you hugely. And related to that, I suppose my word of advice to the agencies would be be brave. Um, because again, although you're hired to deliver solutions, it's often much, much easier to take the money, whatever the client wants done and just execute so that you get the money. But the greatest work, the greatest work is things like a man dressed in a gorilla suit playing the drums for Cadbury and a TVC, you know, that stuff doesn't get made if you're not a brave agency. So that would be my thing for the clients, have a bit of humility and for the agency, have some bravery and have some balls. Thank you so much to each one of my panelists. I appreciate that. That was uh, Tim Cully speaking there, omni-channel marketing expert representing Cliff Central Creative. Thank you again to Refue Mufugeng. Uh, she heads up creative and production at Media Heads 360. Thank you so much to Paolo Diaz, creative director at Ultimate Media. This was a great conversation. I think there were lots of nuggets that businesses and radio stations actually could get out of it. Thank you all uh, for registering for this session. Make sure that you register for Monday's session as well. If you want to register, go 
to uh, radiodaysafrica.co.za. And uh, just another thank you to our sponsors, Iona FM, for the podcasting and the streaming. Thank you so much to Abundant Media uh, Group for sharing the the conference to community radio stations on their favorite channel. RCS Sound Software and Crossfade Studios, thank you so much. Uh, Radio Days Africa 2020 is proudly presented by Vitz Radio Academy and is made possible through the generous support of the Sub-Saharan Africa Media Program of the Conrad Adenauer Foundation. From myself, Claire Mawisa, this was a fantastic session. Thank you so much. See you on Monday. Thank you for joining this Radio Days Africa session. Click to watch or download the podcast. That was a Radio Days Africa podcast brought to you by the Vix Radio Academy.